Today's episode of Your Stories is sponsored by Cards Against Humanity. They asked us not to read an ad, so enjoy the show! Your Stories is a wonderful opportunity to share all the highs and lows of being a nerd. You know that hobby you have that you don't talk to anyone about? It's a secret you don't like to share because it might make you feel weird. Maybe you're into something different. Uh, comic books, fantasy football, push-ups. Your Stories, to me, has been this really kind and welcoming space where people just have the guts to be really honest and they share their voices and their stories with everyone there, no questions asked. Uh, I've heard stories about all those things. Uh, maybe not not a lot of push-ups. I maybe haven't heard a lot of stories about push-ups. The Nerdalogs is group therapy meets Toastmasters. I know there's always a place where my odd thoughts and unusual habits will be welcomed and championed in a warm, supportive environment by other nerds just like me. And what's fun is you'll see people in the audience one month, and then all of a sudden they uh, go up and tell their story. So your story becomes their story, and their story is your story, and then it's our story, and then it's a podcast, so it's everybody's story, and then you've shared it, and gosh, that's great, huh? And even if you don't think you're a nerd, you probably are. It's easily the most Midwestern thing I've ever been a part of. Hey everyone, I'm Eric Garneau and this is the Nerdalogs Presents Your Stories podcast. We're continuing last week's episode with a dive back into the past. We recorded this set of stories way back in April and they're finally out for all you guys to enjoy. Uh, for this one, we teamed up with local folk group Deja Vui who recorded a collection of songs about our national parks. And thus, what you're about to hear is appropriately centered on the theme, Take a Hike. Maybe this will inspire you to take some cool end-of-summer vacations. Uh, I myself am going camping this weekend, and these stories will definitely be in my head. This week, enjoy pieces from Nate Bechtel, Tori Zakaris, Molly McGowan, and Erica Dreisbach, plus music from the usual crew of myself, Dwight Hassler, and Katie Johnston-Smith, and, of course, special guest Deja Vui. So you guys, the next Live Your Story show is also going to be super, super awesome. I gotta tell you about it. Sunday, September 17th, we're moving to the downstairs, the big boy stage at the Bee Kitchen, for a special show featuring a bunch of our creative friends. First, Dwight's new rock and roll band, The Grey Ghost, opens the night with an amped up set. Then, you'll get an hour of your stories, including a full cover band experience that has only ever happened once before at our anniversary show, so that's pretty cool. Then, closing out the night, our friends in Muscular Clown Productions will be screening their web series, The Street Wizard's Apprentice. It's a great series, and the evening is going to be awesome. You can grab your tickets now on the Beat Kitchen website or through our own website or Facebook page. Uh, don't miss out. This is a truly special event. But also, this show you're about to hear right now is pretty dang special. I'm really glad you all can enjoy it right now. Have fun! Ah, uh, cool. This is another song about uh, taking a walk. This really has nothing to do with the outdoors, but Dwight and I both really like this song, so we're going to do it anyway. We're going to force it on you. Put on my blue suede shoes and I boarded the plane and touched down in the land of the Delta Blues in the middle of the Handy, won't you look down over me? 
gas ticket But I'm as blue as a boy can be Then I'm walking in Memphis I was walking with my feet ten feet off a field Person who sang that song? Hey, oh, wow. all right. Talking about one-hit wonders, Jesus. It's then come on, Eileen. <laughs> top two, top two, baby. Now, so here's come on, Eileen. No, not true. Here's more songs from Deja Vu. Yes, did you guys know that Dexy's Midnight Runners turned into like a soul band, a like soul funk band? They do like really sexy shit now. They're called Dexy's. They rebranded. They make baby making music now. 
right, so that song uh, was inspired by Valley of Death, where uh, that should make sense. I was there alone and uh, hiking in these canyons, and I highly recommend Death Valley National Park. Uh, it sounds like it might be boring or like everything, just like desert or dead, but it's really beautiful. I went in January, and I'm hiking in the canyon, and uh, I find that sometimes when you're in the park and you're by yourself, you just have a lot of time to think. And when I wrote the song, I was thinking about how, like, why is it when I have a lot of time just to think, I, like, start thinking about these, like, dramatic, kind of sad things sometimes. Uh, but then I felt like, well, maybe that's good. That's okay. So that's that's and then I did and I was uh, a lot of these songs I'm like writing while I'm hiking and like just kind of singing them to myself and I got stuck and I didn't know what to write in the second verse and then I'm hiking and there's this lizard there is there was like a lizard sitting there and uh, but I'm just like so it's a ballad yeah so I and I just like looked at it for a while and uh, I'm like okay this lizard isn't really like like it didn't say anything but I felt like obviously I should talk about the lizard. <laughs> so that's that song. Now the next song that we're gonna play, we're gonna have some uh, guests join us for some backup stuff <coughs> to fill out the vision. This song is about, um, or it's inspired by Petrified Forest <coughs> National Park, which is in Arizona. And uh, has anyone been to that one? Okay, a couple people. Uh, so when you go there, it's kind of open mostly. Uh, it's not one of the biggest uh, parks to see as far as like a lot of spectacle. But there are these petrified trees that are these beautiful like fossils. And uh, this is another one that is sort of like, um, it just made me think about how it's sort of lonely, but there are these like pretty things that are there all the time. And uh, when I was there, I was the only person there, and it was like sunset. And it was, so that, that's what made me think about what you're going to hear. Um, yeah. Want some percussion, Kendall? It feels like a. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Let's see what Always. happens. Who doesn't ever want? Yeah. <laughs> Don't be a creep.
like a stone Buried in love Petrified Petrify my songs today but we are playing lots of farmers markets this summer we have a lot of songs about animals and like a good fit for farmers markets these songs are kind of uh it's weird like a lot of them are like inspired but not really about the parks but a lot of the songs are we we have one called python problems it was inspired by uh, everglades national park that's being overrun by pythons it's eating all the other animals it's an invasive species there's one. It's got a message. There's one called. I spat uh, also about birds going, bats going extinct. Because they've got uh, white nose syndrome, which is killing them. That's inspired Ugh. by Cuyahoga Valley National Park near. Yeah, Cleveland. we need our rats. There's. Uh, O'Bear. O'Bear, about how sometimes you're hiking alone and there are bears and you shouldn't do that. They all have <laughs> You don't want to scare them. So there's lots of songs. Uh, and then uh, we also play songs that aren't part of the National Park thing. Um, yeah. That uh, that Molly writes and I write also, and so yeah, so go to dejavui.com, and uh, also if you would like a Yui button, and it has the website on it, so you can easily remember, please let us know. We'll give you one. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Dejavui, guys. I don't know. I think you might see them later. Call it a hunch, or call it someone who's looking at the set list of the show right here. I don't know. But first, we got some more stories, starting with uh, this gentleman is a local uh, comedian starting a podcast. I asked him, hey, what's the name of your podcast coming out? He's like, well, iTunes hasn't approved it yet, so I don't want to say. That's good. That's very responsible. Let's give a hand for the very responsible Nate Bechtel. Yeah! The gathering player of all time, Nate Bechtel. <laughs> They're right. <laughs> Hi, everybody. So uh, I, I wrote something that was originally uh, 
very, very bitter, so I scrapped that about two hours before the show. <laughs> and I wrote something uh, a little simple, but kind of inclusive for everybody here. I wrote a choose-your-own-adventure story. <laughs> so does anybody want to come up here and choose an adventure with me? <laughs> oh, uh, Katie or Dwight? Yes. Katie will. <laughs> This adventure is called Take a Hike with Me. <laughs> Nailed it. Uh, so, we've all put on our hiking gear, the entire audience that's in this room together, and gotten our trail mix. Do we take the high road or do we take the low trail? Low. Okay. We go to the low trail. As we journey along the base of the mountain, we come to a field full of sunflowers. In the center of the field, there's a pair of scarecrows flapping in the wind. Do we stop for selfies or do we keep on trudging along? Selfies. Selfies indeed. As we start to unpack, you break away from us to pick sunflowers for the perfect selfie pose. And you feel very pretty when you do, until all of a sudden you feel a prickle on the back of your neck. The scarecrows are behind you. The stitching on their faces begin to slither and move in waving patterns that morph into a dark script and you black out. You wake up with a bloody nose, surrounded by the rest of the audience. They stare at you in horror as you open your mouth to ask why. You feel the stitches yank. You notice the flannel on your arms and the sudden overwhelming desire to stuff yourself and your friends full of straw. Do you stuff them full of straw? Or are you still a human being, damn it? <laughs> I want to see what happens if I stuff them full of straw. Stuff them full of straw. <laughs> you don't understand why they're screaming as you stuff hay down their open maws. Don't they know how scared those crows are going to be now? The field is going to be perfect from now on. Good hike. Uh, there's a few possibilities. So, Dwight, if you want to come have yourself an adventure, we'll do one more. All right, buddy. So, same thing. You're on a hike with the whole audience. Do you take the high road or the low trail? I think we got to take the high, right? Okay. <laughs> or wait, did you get high or take the high? Oh, I mean, either so, way, so either way is in working yeah, with everybody today, else. So yeah. <laughs> so we begin to ascend the mighty mountain, judging our progress by trail paths with nice, happy little symbols, letting you know if it's hard or it's easy. Up until we come along to a winding path where there sits a middle-aged ranger on a bench. 
Do you approach him or do you keep going along? We approach the ranger. Okay. This ranger is very happy to see you as he welcomes everybody into a story time where he tells a very fucked up version of Johnny Appleseed. <laughs> if Johnny Appleseed slept with people and then apple trees emerged from their bodies. <laughs> He's very into it and frequently licking his lips. <laughs> Collectively, you all decide to leave, but as you go, you happen to notice the ranger staring at you in particular. <laughs> So, as you journey into the woods, the old man's words bounce around in your head and you begin to smell lush apples on the air. The rest of the audience begins to smell and and sniff the air too until all their gazes fall upon you. There's a hunger in their eyes. Eric begins to massage your shoulders. <laughs> do you freak out, or do you go with this erotic orchard? Uh, the, uh, the eroticism. <laughs> the eroticism. <laughs> eroticism. <laughs> you fuck everyone. <laughs> you show them the golden standard, the big apple, and you make sure it gets polished. You sow the seed, and as you are sandwiched by five nerds, you see the ranger watching in the distance and nodding. (laughs) Good hike. Thank you. Thank you, Nate. I, uh... I'm pretty floored that, uh... Katie is the one who got us all killed and Joyce the one who fucked everybody. <laughs> no offense, Katie. I'm just tuned into your usual story, Tyler. Don't <laughs> That was wonderful. Thank you so much, Nate. Uh, coming up next, we have a writer from the Northwest suburbs who can be seen around town in numerous storytelling shows, like a show called The Nerdalogs Presents Your Stories. Uh, her name is Tony Zakaris. Tori! Tori Zakaris! Sorry, Tori. How am I going to improve on that? (laughs) (laughs) All right. As a kid, going outside was the worst. (laughs) As uh, the worst of the worst thing about it is that it was totally unpredictable. I might get stung by a bee or made fun of by one of the other kids in my neighborhood or harassed by the drunk down the street. Who knows? My parents were not into the outdoors either, so most of the fresh air I got before the age of 13 involved either my dad yelling at my brother and I while the three of us raked the lawn each fall, or watching my mother pull weeds. No fun. But my opinion of the outdoors started to change during adolescence when going outside meant getting away from my parents. (laughs) By the time I was 21 and an intern at the Baraboo News Republic, a newspaper a half hour away from my hometown, I thought I was far away from my anxious childhood. One Friday afternoon, my editor, Ben, asked me to go on a canoeing trip on the Baraboo River for a story. Some environmental group, I don't know, it was a Sierra Club or the Nature Conservancy or something you know, within the state government, I don't remember, was in town to laud the city for their ongoing dam removal process, making this tributary of the Wisconsin River a great place to canoe or kayak. We would be canoeing for a mile. Then I had to get to the grand opening of the Slumberland Distribution Center on the west side for a grip and grin. Photo opportunity. Sure, I told Ben. How hard could canoeing be, I thought. 
I grabbed my notebook and the News Republic's digital camera and drove to the gathering point a few blocks away. There, I met the city's mayor, Dean Steinhorst, and five other people whose identities have been lost in the 17 years since that Friday afternoon. <laughs> Age, man. It just, it just, you know, erases your memory, just like that Men in Black movie. I introduced myself, asked some questions, wrote down some notes, and I was told I'd be paddling one mile down the river in a silver canoe with a silent man whom I outweighed by at least 100 pounds. <laughs> I think his name was Neil. I didn't see anything wrong with this picture. We pushed off, and it was lovely. It was a sunny day in the high 70s in July. After spending three years at college in Iowa, I realized I had grown up in a beautiful part of the country. I miss things like trees and hills and valleys when I spent nine months of the year three hours west of the Mississippi River. I closed my eyes and listened to the sound of the water pushing away from my paddle. Then I felt the water on my feet. I opened my eyes. I kept on paddling and looked down at the bottom of the canoe. My wet feet weren't from my over-enthusiastic paddling. The canoe had sprung a leak somewhere. Oh. Neil, I said, water is coming into the canoe. And it was. It was, you know, the gray-brown natural kind of water and uh, <laughs> natural and Neil who was pinned at having to speak to the ditzy reporter told me to relax we were getting close to our destination this part of the river wasn't that deep and the current Diane I I googled the CFS of the Baraboo mm-hmm. River and it was about uh, 1250 uh, CFS today um, probably back in 2000, it was probably 800 to 1,000. So it was nothing like the current of the Wisconsin River in my hometown. We weren't in danger. We were going to be okay. But then I remembered the camera, and it's now moistened bag. I had to keep paddling, but I tried to find a place for the $700 Kodak uh, point-and-shoot digital camera where I could keep it dry and still have operational arms. I didn't say anything to Neil, but I thought about Ben back at the office and what he would say if I came back with a broken camera. He was uh, kind of sleazy on a good day, and I didn't want to make him mad. I kept on paddling. That's all I could do. After what seemed like two hours, our trip was complete. It really only was like 40 minutes. I spewed out some apologies. They didn't really seem to care. And I drove over to West Baraboo, hoping that the air would dry off my soaked legs. It didn't. I pulled off to the Slumberland Distribution Center, looking like I had just survived a war from the knees down. The mayor and, uh, was there, and other local dignitaries were also very bemused as I took their photo. But the camera worked, and we were all okay at the end. Thank you very much, everybody. Yes. Zacharis, everybody. Man, the first time I went canoeing, actually it was because of uh, a thing that your company did, uh, Hawaii 2, Cards Against Humanity. If you donated to their um, holiday bullshit a couple years ago, they gave you a square inch of land on an island in Maine called Hawaii 2. And I went canoeing with two friends on a road trip to get to the island, and my buddy John, who was the only one of the three of us who was at all athletic and at all had canoed, was like, you know... 
it's probably going to tip, so don't freak out. Just embrace it. And then it didn't, but that felt good. That was really good advice. So, like, if you're going to go canoeing for the first time, just assume it's going to go really bad, and then it'll be cool. If you assume it's... That's, that's my advice to all of you as a sportsman that I am. <laughs> all right, that was a really good joke, guys. Coming up next, someone that you've already seen on this stage-like classroom area from Deja Vu, Molly McGowan. So, um, I have the good privilege, good honor to have a friend from high school um, who's joining us today, and I, she can attest to the fact that I used to be a very theatrical and hammy person, and now I have like severe stage anxiety, but I did want to share a story because I've never done that before. I'm going to call this Molly Sousa Caldera, or Look But Don't Touch. So this last summer, um, I was convinced to go to a couple of parks, um, sort of as part of the uh, NP Trail Songs project. Um, and I say convinced because while I love nature and I love camping, um, my uh, experiences as a kid with national parks were pretty uh, terrible, pretty tragic. Um, my family is very conservative and very different than I am and I was like a very adventurous kid. I always wanted to touch everything. I was really into climbing and hiding from people and uh, scrambling up uh, rocks and things that my father was very um, supportive and encouraging of. Uh, but my fa mom's family um, really was more into admiring things from the inside of a vehicle, a bus or a car, and um, would freak out if I so much as peered over the edge of a cliff. Um, I'd been to Rushmore, um, I'd been to the Badlands, I'd been to Crazy Horse in a couple of different places, but any time I would go, um, <coughs> I wasn't able to really interact with it in any meaningful way. Um, really, it was sort of a look but don't touch thing, just like, oh, we'll look out the window. Um, so I just kind of thought it was a, was a waste of time. Um, and we didn't spend very much time with them anyway. Uh, and so my impression was just that there wasn't really anything to do except look and somehow associate it with patriotism, which I also <laughs> wasn't really terribly into. In the roughly 20 years or so in which I visited exactly zero national parks after that, um, I... Uh, did most of my actual camping um, in unauthorized places in Vermont, as all Vermonters do, um, and would roll my eyes at any sort of real camping place where you had to pay to like pull in and use a grill or anything like that. Um, and then I, you know, it was 20 years, college and all of that, so my disinterest in national parks was only emboldened by academic discussions problematizing uh, such concepts as preservation and authenticity and nature. Uh, so I, so my disdain for national parks actually kind of grew um, in a kind of sad way now that I've come around a bit. And I developed some peculiar interests. Um, I'm a medical anthropologist by training, uh, and so really I'm into uh, reproduction, but also um, at the time when I was in school, I was really into faunal remains and, uh, and duty. Um, <laughs> so when I started thinking about these trips, I figured 
that the worst case scenario was that I would maybe stumble across some like bones or maybe I could like have some like identification of scat projects, something, <laughs> something weird and gross and would keep me entertained. Um, so the first of these trips, uh, we went to Crater Lake and the trip began at I think Midway, uh, one of the airports where we got there really early in the morning and the system had crashed the day before uh, and so we stood in a line that snaked around and was about three hours long and didn't make our first flight and had to wait around for like 13 hours for the next one they could possibly get us on. Um, so I was not in the greatest of moods. Um, and I had devised this really exciting, um, complicated plan to fly into Portland because I had never been and drive there. So when we got there at six o'clock and we're starving and finally um, were able to leave toward the national park, it was like 10 o'clock at night and we were exhausted uh, and could, were hallucinating driving. So we decided to stay in Eugene, Oregon and pull into Crater Lake around dawn um, or sometime in the morning. Which is what we did. We pulled in to a lookout point at Crater Lake, which if you're unfamiliar, it's got like a little volcano inside a big volcano. Um, and we pulled in to this little spot and, um, and I like walked up the little path and looked out and I had never seen anything so beautiful. I've seen a lot of things. I love, I live in Vermont. I love <laughs> nature and it, was so breathtaking. I mean, literally, I could not catch my breath. And I stood. I didn't know what to say. I, didn't, I just had feelings that I didn't know that I could have. I finally came to and looked around, and there was um, trash. There was, like, a rogue napkin or something. And I was so frustrated, and I was just so angry, like... Why, how could someone leave their trash in such a like beautiful place? And so I went over and picked it up, and there was a couple other pieces. So I grabbed those, and, uh, and I was walking around collecting them, and I looked in this little woody area, and I saw a like freshly laid piece of duty. <laughs> <laughs> and... It was exciting because it was clearly fresh and it was a little bit like wet and I saw like little streams of urine on it. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. Like whatever animal this is, um, peas and poops at the same time. That's cool. And then I was like, I, I was like, I also some pee a little bit sometimes when I poop. And then I made the connection that the napkins in my hand or in fact, uh, he had been on a human butt. I don't really know where else to go. But I, um, it was a good trip. Thank you, Molly. Good hike. From that experience, the love of our national parks was born. Oh, shit. There are some amazing, amazing national parks outside of, uh, of Portland. Uh, the I don't know if it's actually a national park, but the Columbia River Gorge that we went to, like, life-changing for me. That thing was amazing. Uh, Mount, what is it called? Multnomah Falls. Multnomah Falls. Amazing. I don't know if that's an actual national park, but... Uh, 
One, okay, it's not. Thank you. But it's one of the best places I've ever been to. Uh, so we have one more storyteller tonight. I think this may be the friend that Molly mentioned. Yeah, it is. Molly's high school friend, but also a poet, artist, and computer programmer who will be the featured poet at the Green Mill on Mother's Whoa. Day, Monday, yeah. May 16th. This is Erica Dreisbach. Hi, everybody. I, I've known Molly for 20 years. That's a fun fact. Um, and this is going to be a story about hiking in Vermont. It's going to be riddled with references to Vermont Woo! that are super regional to the Northeast Kingdom. You don't even know what the Northeast Kingdom is, and that's fine. It's just for me and Molly. <laughs> also, uh, I'm going to put a real button on the story at the end. And so when that happens, if you can just give like a, yeah. That's not the button with the pen press. That was like a shocking end to the story. So you know how your parents tell stories about you and about life, and there might be things that you lived through and your parents tell the stories over and over, and you get to a certain age and you realize, that's, that's not what happened. Um, and this is a story about one of those situations. When I was eight and my brother Chris was six and my other brother Tommy was four, my parents decided that they were going to take us on a hike on Burke Mountain. Burke Mountain is a ski resort most of the time, but in the summer you can just hike up on the ski trails. And it's a super simple hike. You get a nice view. It's great. So we took Route 5 north, stopped at the White Market in Lindenville. And it was there that we ran into my mother's best friend, Carla. And Carla, rail thin, nearly six feet tall, and had almost like a Svengali mesmer power. When she was calling her children to come back to the car or to like leave a playground, she would go, Ho! Ho! And the children would gather and come. So it was powerful personality. And she hears my parents' plan that we're going to go to Burke Mountain. And she says, don't go to Burke Mountain. Go to Wheeler Mountain. It's an hour to the top of Wheeler Mountain. Gorgeous view. Hour back down. Great for kids. But as she's describing how to get to Wheeler Mountain, her daughter, Hillary, is having a meltdown in the back of the car. One of those, like, crying, screaming kicking so my parents are trying to be like okay so take route five and then make a left and carla's like yeah route five make a left hillary oh my god ho ho and so so my parents get the best directions that they can from her and they think okay wheeler mountain that's going to be so much better so much more dope so much more authentically vermont than going up stupid burke mountain uh, but they didn't get the instructions to where to get to Wheeler Mountain very well. So we get to this little parking area. There's some kind of hiking area. There's no sign. But my dad decides this must be what it is. And now the five of us are hiking into the woods. We're not going up any mountain. It's getting later and later in the afternoon. The sun is golden over a meadow. We cut back into the woods. And now we're going down. We're going down into a valley-ish area, and we outlet onto a lumber road, a lumber road, a road for lumber trucks to take lumber. And there's no one there. There's no sign of civilization. There's no power lines. There's a stream. And we're all little kids, and we don't know what to do. This is also 1992, so there's no cell phones or GPS of any kind. 
We don't have a radio. We don't have a compass. We don't have anything to spend the night in the woods. So my dad decides the best thing to do is to run down the lumber road for a couple miles and then run back. So he's gone for a half hour, which for me was about the scariest part of this whole episode, but he comes back. He says, there's nothing there. So let's just take the trail back. And he described also my, my brother Tommy was sitting on his shoulders, couldn't, you know, too tired to walk at this point. But he's a bossy little boy, so he would just, he would point in front of my dad's eyes like a little windshield wiper, <laughs> which way to go. Uh, and then we make it back to the meadow area as the sun is now setting. And we're all really encouraged because it's clear we're going to make it. And we get back to the car. And the way my parents tell this story, including the way that they told this story the last time I heard them tell it last summer, was, what a little bitch, that little Hillary having her tantrum, and we could have died on that mountain. (laughs) And I realized, I'm 34. I'm about the age my parents were when this whole story happened. And all I see now are all of the bad decisions that they made at every single point. (laughs) Number one, they didn't know where the Wheeler Mountain outlet was. They didn't get clear written description. Number two, when they got to this weird parking outlet, they didn't ask anyone, hey, is this Wheeler Mountain? They didn't look for a sign. Number three, as it's getting dark and we're not going up any mountain to say, well, we got about an hour till sunset and we've been hiking for an hour. So let's just turn back instead to insist, no, we got to power through because we got to get to the view. <laughs> and uh, last of all, you know, we could have just gone to Burke Mountain. Fuck Carla. You know, man? <laughs> um, and so realizing now as an adult that I have other, I have more choices. Um, and that for me is what it is to really get to the top of the mountain. Fuck Carla, right? Like, what's her deal? Hey, that's such a parent thing to do. Uh, cool, can I get... Uh, well, I'll say that for a second. Cool, I, I have one small thing I want to say about taking a hike before I get my band back up here, which is I mentioned that I am uh, quitting my job in two weeks and uh, reading the tea leaves here, it looks like it's going to be about mm, three weeks before I start another job. So I've been toying with this idea about uh, maybe I should do what I've always wanted to do and, like, go on tour, like, take a big trip with my dog and just, like... Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I want, I want an honest opinion. So you're going to have two options. So first I'm going to ask you to clap if you want me to go on tour, and then I'm going to ask you to clap if you think that I should be responsible fiscally and, you know, be that adult and just stay home and because I'm not earning income, just, like, chill and wait for that second job to start. So who thinks that I should be boring, Eric, and wait for that second job to start? I All right, you guys. Now, who thinks I should go on tour? Yeah. All right, great. So you guys, can, uh, you can donate to my tour fund after the show. Um, no, but for real though, I will be posting the episodes on our Patreon page, so that's a thing. Uh, all right, guys, let's get the bands back up here. I want to see Dwight and Katie as well as Deja Vui. Yeah. So this is a song I. Um, I played really recently for a Bruce Springsteen tribute show I did, and uh, it's not Bruce Springsteen, though. I was thinking during that last story, like, fuck, we should have played Badlands. 
But this is this is oh. not by Bruce. Oh. But he did perform yeah. it on his uh, seminal album Live 7585. This is a song that we probably all sang in the classroom at some point, but our teachers never told us that it was very socialist. But it is, guys. Speaking of Vermont, right? Let's give it up for socialism. Yeah. One, two, three. Kendall, this song, actually, I associate this as being like a very sad song. 
If you um, want a, like a really good cry, watch all of the Muppets sing it at Jim Henson's funeral. I associate this with when Alex Talavera left the Nerdalogs. This is this is how we sent uh, this is how we sent Alex Talavera away. I also I heard this song the morning after my last breakup, and oh boy, did that unlock some emotion. So you guys are having a real party here tonight. Uh, but this is a good song, though. Why are there so many songs about rainbows? And what's on the other side? Rainbows are visions, but only illusions. Rainbows have nothing to hide.
freaking Chase Park for answering the phones. Guys, there's some really good life lessons around here. We're all superheroes in training, even though it's spelled wrong. Think before you speak. Do more of what makes you happy. And superheroes always follow, follow directions. directions. <laughs> <laughs> This has been a Nerdalogs production. If you'd like to help make more things like this, please visit patreon.com slash nerdalogs to donate today. And go to www.nerdalogs.com for more cool stuff. Thanks for being awesome. Thank you all. Thank you all. I am Grabbot23548X.